are we creating a workplace that lets people thrive? We want to work at organizations that feel good, where we feel supported. And it's a kind of organization where we say, I'm never leaving here. This is my place. I'm going to work here forever. A job, a place to work, becomes a place where people can flourish, not just a place to endure. You're listening to A Recipe for Transformation with Krista Wilson, a podcast that helps build unique recipes to translate dignity and caring into equitable, inclusive, and anti-racist behaviors in the workplace, helping you transform them into ones that create an environment that fosters dignity, humanity, and respect for all your employees. Because leading transformations that stick require more than just knowing the words. It's about understanding why we are doing what we do and putting people first. In January 2021, a colleague asked me to participate in a new podcast called A Better Workplace. This podcast was exploring diversity, equity, and inclusion as a theme. And of course, I had a lot to say about it. At this point, we were about a year into the COVID-19 health pandemic. I had had a number of clients tell me that they had seen employees starting to quit at rates that were startling. One client told me that they had seen a number of female staff leave. And another client told me, Krista, we've lost a lot of our Black staff, especially Black women, at a rate that is just truly alarming, especially given our increased focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion. In this podcast conversation, I shared in the recording that I had been seeing DEI requests increase and that they had started to almost transcend the 101 kind of, you know, what is DEI or implicit bias training request. And they had really started to transition into a place where employees were describing and demanding more from the companies. And my clients were asking me how to meet those needs. I shared my own analysis from my client case studies where I had been seeing that companies are just going to have to put more dignity into everything that they're doing and center the dignity and the humanity of their people above all else. And I shared in that podcast episode that people just aren't experiencing respect or dignity at the rates that they need to, and that this is directly tied to inclusion and equity. And it's also tied just to good humaning. So fast forward one year later, now we're at January 2022, and MIT Sloan Management Review published research on organizational culture and the great resignation that was led by Donald Sowell, Charles Sowell, and Ben Zweig that backed up exactly what I had said one year prior on that podcast. In the year since that Better Workplace podcast recording, we had seen nearly 30 million people just here in the United States leave their jobs. Reports noted that upwards of 40% of workers were leaving their jobs just at the beginning of 2021. So Sol, Sol, and Zweig, they examined 
nearly 34 million employee profiles. And the goal was to understand why employees had left their employer. And the research found that the number one reason people quit their jobs could be described as a toxic work culture. Now, as these researchers dug deeper, talking to employees, looking at profiles, they found there were essentially five ingredients of a toxic culture, and they called these a toxic five traits. And so in this move of millions and millions of people leaving their jobs, this was called, as you may know, the Great Resignation. And as McKinsey would go on to call this, it's really been what some are calling the Great Renegotiation. Because people, as we do, we're renegotiating what we're willing to tolerate, what we're willing to accept and not. And we are looking to be in spaces where we are valued, respected, and where the wholeness of who we are has the opportunity to thrive. We want to feel respect and dignity at work. And this is a universal human characteristic, but I'm going to tell you what. For those of us with an identity that is underestimated or that has been historically marginalized or we have experienced bias or discrimination, we're looking for organizations that welcome all of who we are. And so we can see that diversity, equity, and inclusion is not just a value, a a core set of beliefs. It's not even just a strategy. It's a culture shift and it can actually become the antidote to this great resignation that is still in full force in 2022. However, what this means is DEI has to be woven into the DNA of our organizations for it to become the detox that this moment's calling for. So we want to look at the MIT piece and look at those five toxic traits that were reported. This is what these five ingredients are. The five toxic traits, the first one of them was disrespect. And so when they looked at these toxic cultures, what they found is that employees were naming these workplaces where there was a lack of consideration, a lack of courtesy. So I can think of employees or uh, clients that I've talked to who told me that they couldn't get time off to go to a doctor's appointment because there was a meeting that they couldn't get rescheduled or that they worked because they were sick or the culture in place is not valuing people's time off that people just aren't treated well. This is this culture of disrespect. The second that I've seen here in the toxic traits was a lack of inclusion. So these are people that have come from underrepresented or marginalized identities, and they've named that for the work environments that they have been inside of, there is um, deep inequities that are reflected throughout the policies, the practices, and the cultures of this organization. And when that was kind of ranked, we found that that was LGBTQ folks, disabled folks named deep inequity. We also saw this across folks that are uh, have different racial identities, age and gender inequities. But this lack of inclusion also described what was named as nepotism and cronyism, meaning that people get promotions or advantages at work because of their relationships instead of their qualifications. We also saw this third toxic trait, that there was a general unethical culture in the organization. And that was described as 
general unethical behavior, dishonesty, and a lack of compliance to rules. The fourth was a cutthroat culture where folks were backstabbing and there was ruthless competition. Really an individualistic culture versus one of collaboration and community. And then the fifth toxic trait was abuse, that people named that bullying and harassment and hostility was part of the work environment. I had a client a couple of years ago, and when they they brought me in, they said that it was part of the racial equity, diversity, and inclusion work. And when I got inside, I proposed to first start with a DEI diagnostic. As y'all know, I love my assessments and diagnostics to really understand where a client is. But also because they were using this language, well, there are interpersonal dynamics. And when I kept trying to probe what was meant by that, there was um, a kind of a shrinkage that would happen where people weren't making eye contact. There were kind of started to low talk. And it made me really wonder what is happening here and what kind of dynamics. When I did an anonymous survey and asked staff what was being described by this catchphrase or euphemism of interpersonal dynamics, people started to talk about a lot of different things like feeling like they weren't heard or feeling like they were being talked over. So this would be an example of disrespect. But they also talked about harassment and hostility. One team talked about having a coworker who would yell and maybe cuss at meetings if they didn't get their way. Uh, Some named that they were just waiting for the moment when the table got flipped. And all in all, while this was an organization that was really deep into their DEI work, they had some culture issues that were operating in an antithetical way to equity and inclusion. So as we talk about these five toxic traits, I can think of easily 25 off the top of my head, diversity, equity, and inclusion interventions that that I've done with clients in my firm, like management coaching, developing healing-centered affinity groups or employee research groups, ERGs, facilitating fireside chats and courageous conversations with staff, building anti-abuse policies related to trainings for staff. These are all kinds of DEI interventions that can help address these toxic traits that we heard about from the MIT piece. And it's an example of DEI done right, which can be a strategic way to think about whole person approaches to detox a culture where any of these five traits might be present. Now, we all know that there's a kind of organization that we all want to work at. And I'm going to say that I'm pretty sure it's going to be an organization that doesn't have these toxic traits, right? We want to work at organizations that feel good, where we feel supported. And it's a kind of organization where we say, I'm never leaving here. This is my place. I'm going to work here forever. Do you feel like you're getting some amazing pearls of wisdom on this episode? At Wilson & Associates, our mission is to help folks like you promote dignity and care at work, to transform workplaces into ones that are equitable, inclusive, and anti-racist. We believe that it's more than knowing the catchphrases. This transformation requires understanding why we are doing what we do, doing it with integrity, and centering our humanity and joy along the way. This podcast is just one of the many ways we feed our mission. 
At Wilson & Associates, we help our partners create fun, supportive, and innovative spaces where our collective humanity is nurtured, our imagination is sparked, and we co-create recipes for advancing racial justice and equity. We know there's a well of information on DEI out there and it can be a little overwhelming, but it doesn't have to be. The simplicity lies in creating your own recipe for transformation. We aim to put humanity and dignity back into DEI and our workplaces so that we can create environments where each of us can thrive. So head over to our website at wilson-and-associates.com to find out more about how we can help you and your organization. You can take our self-assessment that can help you explore the different dimensions of DEI in your own organization and determine the best starting point to find your own recipe for transformation at deidiagnostic.com. You can find all our links in the show notes. And let's transform the face of DEI into the face of dignity together. A while ago, I remember working for a tech company in Silicon Beach, which is the Silicon Valley of Santa Monica, where all the tech companies are based. And at this particular company, I mean, they offered free snacks, and I'm talking premium snacks all over the office, delicious beverages. Um, It was always stocked up and they even had free lunches and a beautiful work environment and standing desk and yoga balls. I mean, all kinds of things that made this environment totally fun, totally posh. And I remember this was very different from when I worked in the basement of the county government building in room B26 with no windows, very poor ventilation, and there was nothing good to eat in sight. And I remember uh, meeting a young computer coder, and I remember him specifically saying that he never wanted to work anywhere else. And while that was a fun work environment, this is not exactly what I'm talking about. Not totally when I say creating the kinds of organization where people don't want to leave. I'm talking about how do we create the kinds of companies where people want to work at them and the culture's not toxic at all that we don't see these toxic five traits. And instead, the culture is people-centered, like what we see in the research. These are cultures that we all want to work for and that they've been dubbed irresistible organizations. I mean, just, just listen to that, an irresistible organization. That was dubbed by Josh Burson, and he identified that there's basically five characteristics And they might feel familiar to you as you think about what would be an irresistible place for you to work. So he says the first is one that provides meaningful work, where there's small teams, you can get to know other people, there's relationships, and there's also spaciousness of time, right? That there's an opportunity to minimize burnout. The second is he's describing a type of manager where the management, just as a general practice, is hands-on. They lead in transformative ways that can coach and support employees. This third characteristic of an irresistible organization is the way that I run my own company. The word fun is even on my homepage because fun and joy has to be centered to all that we do. And this is the third characteristic, that a work environment is positive and fun that these kinds of work environments center the humanity of people that work there, 
the work environment's inclusive, it's diverse, and also that it has a culture and a habit of recognizing and celebrating people. The fourth characteristic is that there's an opportunity to grow. Similarly to my garden, I'm an avid gardener. And when I go outside and after I plant a seed, I can't just expect that it's going to be its most healthy and vibrant plant if I'm not nurturing it over time. So that means as the gardener, I've got to make sure it's not getting too much sun, but that it's also getting sun. I have to make sure that it's getting fertilized and fed. Sometimes I might talk to it or check in on it. I might look for bugs that are eating it. But at the end of the day, I want that plant to thrive. And so I'm doing everything that I can that it has the opportunity to grow, that the conditions are prime for growth. And that's what this fourth characteristic is about, that companies provide training and learning opportunities that support growth. And that as a company, you're investing in your people. And the fifth characteristic of an irresistible organization is that leadership is trustworthy so that the people have trust in them. And the way that that gets manifested is that there's a clear mission and vision of the organization that people are being led toward by the leaders and that there's transparency and honesty. One thing that I loved as I've read over the years about irresistible organizations is that throughout each of these characteristics, it's not about output. It's not about extraction, what we can get out of people. It's about what are the conditions that we can create for people. I believe it was in that A Better Workplace podcast where I used the gardening metaphor. And I talked about if you want to have a garden that's thriving, just like mine is right now. You have to make sure that your soil is good. My dad, who's been farming his whole life, along with his grandparents and all our ancestors, talks about what's in the soil. Is the soil going to be nutritious enough to feed whatever you plant in it? And you can't expect to have a thriving garden if you don't have a good foundation. And that's what this irresistible organization concept has, that it's a fertile ground to grow thriving employees and that the people are the central focus. And so people that are provided opportunities to thrive is one key piece. And also when we use diversity, equity, and inclusion as a central strategy, it means a couple of things. First, It means we're looking at diversity of who we have in our organizations and we tell the truth and identify who we've excluded and who's missing. And then we work to remedy that. Next, we look at how are we including all the people in the organization and how do we ensure that they can participate and benefit from all the good things that are being created in that organization. And one more thing we can do is look at equity, the concept of equity, meaning meet people where they are and make sure they have what they need to thrive. And then we figure out what are the individualized strategies that we need so that our folks can thrive in this irresistible organization that we want to create. There's a question that I ask my clients often when we're talking about how to move beyond DEI, moving beyond the rote, tired, diversity, equity, and inclusion strategies of yesterday. 
And I saw that question in a business magazine, Forbes, in fact, and it kind of blew me away because it's the kind of question you'd expect to find in a coaching journal or a people-centered you know, discussion board, but a business magazine, it surprised me. The question was this, are we creating a workplace that lets people thrive? Now, this whole entire article that followed this question went on to note that when we create space for employees to thrive, that we will actually build the foundations for our organization's overall success. And as Forbes will do, it began to cite a number of studies and books that support this concept, that employee thriving is directly connected to overall company success. When I was about 19, I interned for a woman that wrote the book called Thrive. Her name's Ariana Huffington. And she's now writing and speaking these days on the central theme of us being whole people outside of our jobs. And that success has to be measured by our ability to thrive. A couple of months ago, she posted a quote, and that quote was this. She said, Much of the great resignation is a collective longing to stop living in the shallows. People are realizing they want more, not just out of their jobs, but out of their lives. It's the recognition that ultimately our lives are shaped from the inside out. I've talked to a number of my clients that are CEOs, chief people officers, or other top executives in their organizations. And I've talked to them about this specific concept that their employees are in this position of realizing they want more out of their lives. And it's hard to not come to that realization in the face of the COVID-19 health pandemic when many people have either gotten the virus or they've seen people get it and or pass from that virus. We've watched the national and even international movement for racial justice. And even now we see wars popping up across the country where, where people are losing their lives. And so it's really having us look inward to see what do we value and what is important to us and where are we putting our time? And are we being valued in the places where we give so much of ourselves? And so it means this is a company question to answer. It's a business question to answer too. And I think the insight from Ariana's question and her reflection is that our organizations have to contend with this new reality of seeing people as humans and not mechanisms of production. It also means that DEI, which historically has been about social change and justice, it has been about humanizing people and their entire whole selves. It was founded on the basis of creating conditions for us to thrive. But it means that DEI is an opportunity for our organizations to make this pivot. It's a way for organizations to respond to the great resignation to think of it as this great reevaluation or this great reorganization that's happened for so many of us and our employees. And so as a leader in your company, you have the opportunity to start building an irresistible workplace. I mean, you've got the blueprint already, as I've described in this episode. But beyond that, 
you can begin to diagnose the state of the toxic five traits in your organization right now. But I'm here to tell you, the secret ingredient, the real secret, is that we actually create places of work that people don't want to leave because it feels so good to be there. A job, a place to work, becomes a place where people can flourish, not just a place to endure. That together with DEI strategies, we can create workplaces that recognize that we are human and we have identities and needs and feelings that make us valuable and that our value doesn't come by what we can produce. And this is how we get to these positive work environments, more humanistic ones, ones that put the focus on its people. And research is showing that companies that do this are becoming increasingly successful and sustainable. And employees are staying because they're thriving. And these are the companies and workplaces that are, I mean, in the words of the famed poet Robert Palmer, simply irresistible. Creating unique recipes for how people can experience dignity and also thrive at work is a mission that involves and requires all of us. If you felt moved to take action through this episode, I hope you'll subscribe and share this podcast with the people you know will benefit from it. You see, the more dignity and respect we can build into the workplace, the more we can create the kinds of environments that foster and celebrate our humanity. You can stay connected to and join us in this mission by visiting www.recipefortransformation.com. It's here you're going to find podcast episodes, resources to support your racial justice and equity work, and learn how you can hire my consulting firm to help leaders just like you build workplaces where people are treated with dignity, experience a sense of belonging, and have an opportunity to thrive. Every podcast episode and resource on the site will give you one more ingredient you can use to create your very own customized recipe for transformation for you, for those you work with, and your entire organization. This recipe is going to help you create lasting change, more so than the old ways of DEI. We're counting on you to co-create the future that we need right now. Moving beyond the words, moving into purpose, and putting people first.